Hey guys, welcome back to Speaking Freely with Keely. Okay, cool. So let's crack on with the next questions after that long old break. Enjoying those tunes there. Were you enjoying the songs, guys? Love those songs, yeah. Oh, might help if I turn your microphones on. Hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I love those songs. Yeah, we've been picking the uh, the songs carefully, actually. And Fred, you've had a, a big input into these songs, haven't you? I've always dreamt of being a radio DJ. Oh, you have, have you? Yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, Huxle, now it's your time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but the songs that we've had have been so apt, eh? Like, Good Vibrations, yep. um, Forgot What We've Wonderf- Had Now. Wonderful all Life by Black. Not. Wonderful Life, yeah. yeah. Shout It All Out. Oh, Get yeah, exactly. That, that was, was a um, good one. That was t- Tears for Fears, and the name of the band came from this, uh, the, whatever it was called, some kind of uh, healing therapy where you shout out the emotions and I thought when I was doing this training in Kazakhstan I thought about them a lot and it was like you know 30 years later I understand what all of that music <laughs> was about now I get it I'm so I, of course you know Roland yeah. Orzabal and Kurt Smith are not listening but I'm so grateful to them they they were such an influence and a lot of us listened to them and it it federated us so you know 30 years down the road their music has touched many lives oh amazing but music is like a form of therapy in itself hey but then I oh, also yes. think it could be bad because you know sometimes I feel like you can really engulf yourself in the world of a, a song about heartbreak like Adele like I don't think Adele was always good for me when I was going through heartbreak you know I feel like it made me just like go into it further and further and further you know but when when that happened when you're going into it were you able to cry more out and at, at one point did well, you hit a plateau okay, yeah. where you thought you know screw it I'm done with it I want to listen to something joyful yeah I mean I guess it is addictive isn't it but then is that is, are you addicted to it for the the reason that actually you've got more to process hence why you can't move on from a certain song and you keep playing it on a loop on a loop on a loop until you've had your time with it and actually that song maybe shifted something in you you're right eh yeah I think so I mean there's like the a light bulb moment Ding. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, 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 the sense I get especially when it comes to sadness is yeah. that People often say, you know, I'm tired of crying. I've been crying for a long time. I'm fed up. And I usually say, you know, like, if you go to the toilet and you need to pee and you're tired of peeing, what do you do? Do you stop? Or do you actually finish? <laughs> and, you yeah. know, it's a bit of one of the things of, like, if you have to get it out, you might as well get it out because it's going to still stay inside of you until you get it out. So you might as well get it out now because otherwise it's going to be pretty unpleasant. Perfect, yeah. You can feel much better <laughs> you get it all out. <laughs> but, it, but if you want to keep it inside, you knock yourself out. Yeah. The only person really suffering is you and the people who enable your behavior. So, Oh, yeah, and the people that you inflict your behavior on as well, eh, mm. sometimes. Exactly, yeah. Um, cool, well, this leads me perfectly into my next question, guys. Um, so my next question is, um, well, you know, we, we live in a, a Western world, hey, where, um, whereby we're taught to, you know, have a stiff upper lip to repress, just uh, forget about these things and move on. Um, you know, so then, therefore, I guess what my question is, is um, what happens to all these people that do not deal with their emotions and they're walking around and they've got all of these past traumas, memories, triggers, everything um, inside of them. What happens to these people and their emotions? Well, on the one hand, the emotions, like we said, are, are, are physiologically trapped somewhere inside the body and that creates a whole bunch of diseases and ailments and is physically unpleasant. But the other thing is that we know unconsciously that the stuff is inside and we feel like a walking time bomb. So we do whatever we can to get our mind off it. And it's one of the beautiful things with the truth is once we know the truth, we can't unlearn the truth. Uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So when we, we, we do everything we can to not admit we have these emotions inside of us, and we tend to 
create strategies and behaviors that keep it inside and keep our mind off it. And those are all of the, generally, the dopamine-creating patterns, such as alcohol consumption, sugar mm. consumption, so alcohol is a form of sugar, shopping, social media, gambling, pornography. Um, work, being addicted to work. Being addicted to work. People go like, I don't have time for myself. It's like, of course you do. You just don't want to give time to yourself because there's something going on. I can be taking on toxic relationships as uh, pet hobbies, which happens unfortunately quite a bit. So basically anything that creates noise around us tends to be in order to avoid seeing things. And this is it's a thought we get from Adler uh, and, uh, and Jung, but I, I think a lot of Adler, where people will say, I can't do X because of Y. And the truth is that they actually don't want to do X and Y is just a very practical excuse. Because unless somebody's holding a gun to our head, nothing's really preventing us from doing it. It's and we don't want to. So all of these behaviors and people go like, I, I can't do whatever because I'm too tired. It's like, well, maybe you don't want to do it and being tired is the excuse. And maybe actually you enjoy these behaviors. Or when people go, I need a drink after a tough day at the office. It's like, well, maybe the truth is that you want to have a tough day at the office so you can have that drink. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. But what happens if they didn't have that drink? What do you think that, that drink is, is truly um, doing for them? Because then if they don't have that drink, they're sat with this this feeling, this anxiety or whatever it is that they're feeling and yep. they don't they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to process it, hey? So therefore yep. they have the drink to, to suppress that, to numb that or to feel something other than that, hey? Yeah, and it's also really tasty, which doesn't help if it tastes disgusting, be much easier. It is quite tasty. It's yeah. very tasty. <laughs> so generally what I think what happens is if they don't have it, do they have the tools to cope with it? And generally the answer is, well, not really. I mean, coping with it on your own is unbelievably complex. Uh, I know many people think, well, some people think they can. Uh, I think in these cases, having someone you can work with, typically uh, a psychologist or talk therapist, can be very helpful to mm -hmm. at least give some structure. Yeah. It depends where we start from. Like, like Tori was saying earlier, if you have a basic healthy level of functioning, you can go further. If you don't have it, it's complicated. And getting something working a bit better is not easy, especially when we tend to have a whole series of somewhat toxic behaviors that make things worse constantly. So already, if we start decelerating the race downwards, that's already an improvement. If we can stabilize it, that's another improvement. If we can do one small manageable thing better, that's a massive improvement. So possibly going from multiple drinks every day to none might be a bit too ambitious but maybe having one less might be good maybe instead of having a cocktail a few cocktails it might be going switching to wine then a little bit less wine then drinking a bit more water then maybe going to bed a bit earlier then maybe skipping booze on one day of the week or maybe postponing the first drink by 30 minutes or an hour well, just seeing what happens, just being a bit curious um, and being especially, if it doesn't work, being kind with oneself. We mm -hmm. tend to be too harsh, but that tends to be because we're angry with ourselves and we want to fail. So we can beat ourselves up about it because if we beat ourselves up and feel bad, then we have a drink to feel better. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So having maybe a bit of, a bit of humor, a bit of kindness, uh, finding something that's manageable, thinking if I can do one, if I can, actually, if I can make one small thing better every single day, over 365 days, 
that's exponential. And over 10 years, that's 3,650 improvements, you know, more or less. Yeah. That's the, just the level to, to which we can massively change our life pretty quickly is just unthinkable, provided that we make it workable. Yeah. I guess as well, though, a lot of people don't necessarily know that they're... It's a bit like me, actually, when I, you know, before I had my breakdown to have a breakthrough, as I always like to call it, um, is that, you know, I didn't actually realize that I was suffering from such anxiety and depression. I just... It was just a, a way of life, you know, and I see it in everyone now. Um, you know, I work with the public a lot, and I can see it in every every human being, um, that they're just living at this fight in this flight or flight mode and this you know constant living almost like in a third person like viewing things judging things and everything is filtered through the system of i want to judge what you're saying okay is it right is it wrong is it bad is it this um so they're never present they're constantly Mm -hmm. fighting these demons and these battles and and so therefore they're never finding a true state of peace or or joy because they're constantly analyzing using that analytical brain which therefore keeps feeding those feelings of anxiety my path was being diagnosed with candida some years ago, and I didn't know what candida was, and it's a, a yeast overgrowth that feeds off sugar. And my doctor basically sat me down and said, you know, if you, if we don't do this, you're never gonna turn 40. Uh, you'll, you'll be dead in a few years, uh, which was wow. a, a little bit of a wake up call. So it's like, okay, any alternatives? He's like, well, it's your choice, it's your life. I mean, be shame to lose you, but if that's what you prefer, just go ahead. So I had to cut out sugar, so sugars, in other <laughs> words, refined sugar, yep. alcohol, carbs, fruit, um, even caffeine, milk, and so on. And what I found was that changed a lot of my behaviors because I wouldn't go out anymore and have drinks with my friends and colleagues. Um, when I did go out with them, it, it felt like there was a party and I wasn't invited, so that felt a bit miserable. And uh, when I didn't drink, it felt rather boring, so that was a sign that maybe I should change some of my friends. Um, and then I was also, it was, a, it was a very expensive treatment. I was careful with money, so I would go out and eat much less. I'd have to cook at home much more because I'd avoid carbs. I'd cut down on the shopping. I'd cut down on a whole bunch of addictive behaviors. And it turned out these were all behaviors that create dopamine. I didn't know much about this. So in the brain, I'd make it simple. We can have dopamine where you have certain behaviors, like we mentioned yeah. before, the shopping, social media, validation, alcohol, Uh, substances, sugar, pornography, and so on. Dopamine served a purpose when we were cave people. As modern humans, we don't need these behaviors anymore. It's like somebody was saying, as a cave person, you see a naked potential mate you want to basically reproduce, but now any kid opens their phone and within a minute on the internet, they see more nudity than our ancestors saw in a lifetime, which is just, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. And what happens is that when the brain produces dopamine, it prevents the production of serotonin. And serotonin is what we get when we feel happy. Oh, wow, okay. So every time we choose a behavior that produces dopamine, we're Mm -hmm. choosing to be less happy. And there's an an, an amazing professor, Dr. Robert Lustig, so L-U-S-T-I-G, who talks about this. And he goes, you know, the, the whole bunch of differences. Dopamine is solitary. I'm eating my cake, I'm enjoying it, I'm feeling it. But happiness is shared. Like, I'm very happy to be here in the studio. And happiness is enough. 
Like if there were twice as many of us, I wouldn't be more happy, we'd just be different. With happiness, we're content. I'm gonna walk out from the studio, it's gonna be like mind blowing that we were here, that we could talk, we could talk with you <laughs> and share with people and I'm just gonna be really happy. After eating cake, I want more cake. Yeah. You know, I might have had too much sugar rush, but I want more. If And that's one reason why we mix fat and sugar is yeah. because that way we can actually eat more of it. Ice cream, you know, it's it, we, we tend to want more of this. And so when we're choosing dopamine behaviors, that tends to be that we're trying to hide something and we're choosing to be less happy, but because we're less happy, we want more dopamine because we can't have happiness, at least we want pleasure. And that typically is a sign that we're not happy is that we're seeking pleasure. We can seek pleasure or happiness. And yeah. happiness tends to come from meaning and responsibility. But when we're seeking pleasure, we're avoiding responsibility. It's really quite sad, actually, but I can really relate to the whole, you know, the sugar eating, like, you know, being on my own, like quite often, I'll, you know, I'm bored and I'll, and I'll eat. And like you said, it's probably for that dopamine, hey, to get those pleasures of of having that time on my own and, and having that level of enjoyment um, because I'm not connecting and I'm not, you know, being able to feed the, that, those serotonin levels, hey. Yes, um, and, and that typically is when we're eating not real food, so not home-cooked yeah. food. If it's home-cooked vegetables and meat and nuts, then it's food. If yeah. it's been processed, it is no longer food. So if it's pizza, sorry, not food. <laughs> and if it's crisps, sorry, it's yeah. not food. It could be pleasurable, not food. Croissant is not food. If it's vegetables and nuts and meat and fish, and to some extent fruit as a treat, that's cool. Anything else, not food. <laughs> That's a whole new conversation as well, <laughs> tying into the body and the physiology, which we probably should touch upon, um, you know, as it's all linking. Um, but right now we are going to take another wee break. Um, and actually playing right now is um, another app song chosen by Fred here, uh, which is always look on the bright side of life. I'm loving these uplifting vibes. Um, and it's by a brilliant name. Spam a lot. Cat Stevens can't keep it in playing on Westside. I love Cat Stevens. Had to squeeze another one in there. Um, and again, very apt. Can't keep it in. No, you've got to let it out. You've got to let it all out, which is exactly what I did yesterday. <laughs> uh, if you knew at home what I did yesterday, and then you would also find it funny, but unfortunately not in on this joke. Um, but no, I will uh, I will include you now. Um, so, okay, cool. So I'm so excited to talk about this, my experience. Um, so I met both Fred and Tori um, last Monday, a week today, actually. Oh, oh wow. Happy That's Friends true. anniversary. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was at um, a Law of Attraction uh, seminar. Um, and at the very end, so this is something that, you know, I've been trying to practice myself, you know, I, I'm really trying to make some changes in my life and my thoughts and just encompassing the whole thing. Um, so I'm kind of like, you know, taking on the whole experiment and becoming a prodigy to the law of attraction myself, I guess. Um, but one of my question, my question was for the woman who was um, holding the seminar was, okay, that's cool, all well and good. Like, you know, you've got to think about what you want, um, but therefore you also have to then match those vibrations with that, with that thought, with your emotional vibrations. So your thoughts and your feelings have to be in alignment with what you want. Now, I can think about something that I want, but trying to match that with my emotion when I'm constantly stuck in my inner child, my feelings of unworthiness and not good enough or whatever, it's so hard to try and raise those vibrations. And I'm like, I'm not feeling it all the time. And if I'm not feeling it all the time, does that mean I'm not gonna manifest it? Like, how do I move my feelings forward and push through that inner child saying that I'm not good enough to be able to you know, truly manifest what I want? So I'm all in alignment. Um, which then led us down this path of obviously, you 
you know the the gift that uh, Fred also have as well in in healing and how they can help me um so then uh, that night they did a little bit of shifting um with my physiology and and getting things moving a little bit which I did feel the effects from like I definitely the rest of that week I don't know if it was just that or whether it was combined with the the kindness and the the openness that we all share between us but I definitely felt lifted and, and an openness that I, I wasn't feeling prior to that. Um, and then yesterday, so yesterday um, we got together and it was like a three-hour session. Like it was long, but it, there it was a double session. Yeah, it was a double session. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, am I feeling that today! Um, but it was crazy. There was like no time and space. We were just in the moment. It was very intense, but it was extremely so. Like the way that it started was, um, you know, getting things moving, like a radio frequency, getting things moving within myself. So lots of breathing, hey, and a bit of. We're not chanting, but a little bit of sound, eh? But basically what, what I do is the person breathes and I open a variety of energy channels. So Reiki is one of them. Reiki is one of about 60 channels we use. So I open various channels that work on different parts of the body, different emotions, different organs, and that comes according to what I feel the person needs. And just and and just to summarize what Reiki is, because a lot of people won't know what cosmic energy or Reiki is. Sure, uh, okay. The, let, let's just take the, the, the image that we're surrounded by radio waves and we can have a radio receiver that plays various forms of music. Uh, the idea with these energy channels that they surround us, yep. we can be attuned to them to run them through people and it cleans people out, basically. Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of how I understand it. Even if people don't understand it or don't believe in it, uh, they tend to feel pretty crazy things like tingling, feel emotions coming up um, and it basically just helps the, the the work quite a bit so we start with that so the chanting you're hearing is me just opening the various <laughs> uh, energy channels on you yeah absolutely I love the chanting um okay cool yeah so we we did um that was you know the first part of the process and then um we got into you know we really got into unsticking the emotion or releasing the uh emotion that was stuck in me hey um it was a very painful process it was excruciating you know I yep. mean you know you yeah. would feel around for these spots you know and you know when you found it um oh you do it's, oh, it's mind-blowingly painful it was and the funny thing was is actually my my flatmates came home like part way through this and, and they could just hear me like my rifled like ruffled screams and my like floor banging going on where I was like you know screaming all this emotion and this pain out of me yeah. um, you know it was quite funny because for them they were like what is going on is she okay <laughs> yeah, what's going on do we need to call the police <laughs> but actually it like it's such it's so hard to put it into words but it was it was such a profound experience and it was painful, but I really could feel intuitively within me that it was releasing something. And there were things and emotions and memories that were triggered during the, the process. Um, and there were some really intense overriding emotions that were just going from a body. It was like my whole body was on fire at times. It was, it was extremely intimate. And at first, you know, there was a part of me that was like, thinking about the judgment not judgment but like okay I don't want to be a stop monster I don't want to do this okay I've got to breathe and, and maybe thinking a bit too much but by the end or like you know that was soon forgotten and it was such a personal intimate and beautiful experience that it was extremely profound um, and afterwards as well I was wiped out I was like in pure bliss you know <laughs> it was like I had this 
calmness and stillness in my mind, which again has carried through to today. Um, I still feel very exhausted. I have woken up a little bit more, but um, yeah, like I felt like my body really did go through the motion. They really did process a lot of emotions, a lot of stuck energy in me, um, which, you know, is obviously taking its time to, to come out. So I'm really super excited to see how I'm going to feel after another sleep tonight. But um, I already feel like something's lifted. I feel lighter and I feel this inner peace and this inner bliss. And that's something that I've really been striving for for such a long time to get to that state. Um, but one thing which was really, really amazing, which um, happened to me once in hypnotherapy, actually, and I met my, I came uh, into touch with my like five-year-old self and really interestingly um, this time so it was almost like I let something go in that session with the hypnotherapy but with this I, I came into contact with my 12 year old self um, and then obviously I, I, I progressed a little bit to like the age of like 14, 15, 16 but um, you know I really got a chance to speak to my 12 year old self and the emotion that poured out of me and like that wound and just yeah. seeing myself as that yeah. child you know and having it was bizarre and 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 that is the the girl that i feel sometimes you yeah. know when i'm in fear and you know i'm scared or i'm scared of judgment i go back to that little girl that's scared yes. in that playground you know it's it's quite awful and I, i'm always thinking how am i gonna get rid of her like not that i want to get rid of her i love you um but more so that i'm at peace with her and and she can stop haunting me and i can let her go and i can be this woman that i'm you know i'm here to be you know and, and continue my journey but it was so profound and I got to hug her and I got to feel her and and part of me yeah absolutely let that go and it was so so beautiful um and you know I guess that leads me on to my next question um which is to do with you know we all have you know trauma or memories or emotions from our childhood we have that inner child and we have so many situations day in day out which trigger that that trigger that inner child and you're straight back there straight back to feeling those emotions hey um and it's it's not fun no one wants to feel like that scared little girl or scared little boy anymore you know they want to be an adult they want Fred. very quickly yeah. uh because we're you know what, what why do it well the question is simply if we don't do it what happens then you know, it's going to be more of the same. If more of the same is cool, then it's great. But I remember thinking at one point, if my life hasn't changed in 12 months' time, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. So anything is better than no change. Yeah. Then how do I change? I had no idea back then. But it took me on this journey to find this. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. So usually it's if we project ourselves in the future, are we excited about it or not? If not, it might be a good idea to change something. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that is, I guess, the point of, like you said, emotional processing is is getting rid of all that weight you're carrying and being lighter. And like for me, as I said, I'm so excited to wake up tomorrow and just feel something different. And it was the same for me. I don't want to be this person. I don't want these same behavioral patterns anymore. I want to live a, a life that I'm proud of. And I can, you know, we have one chance to live as far as we know. We're a consciousness having an experience in a physical body. So you need to make the most of that. Otherwise, what is the point? Um, and I guess that to you guys, like, what what do you think the point of life is? Like, do you have, do you feel that there is a purpose to this life? Well, very much so. Th this is my, actually, rational brain, which picks from, strange enough, from Jung and Adler, who are so two famous uh, psychologists, psychotherapists, along with Freud. But I prefer Jung and Adler. <laughs> and they basically said, life gives us the opportunity to learn what we should learn again and again and again until either we learn it or we die. And then in the next incarnation, we'll get the same opportunity. So we might as well learn it as quickly as possible. And this ties into what my Russian and Kazakh teachers say, which is, it's a bit, is a bit um, 
esoterical, but it's a helpful model. And it's saying that before we come to Earth, we are souls. We choose the body we will be born into because the parents will give us the opportunity to learn the lessons we should learn. When we're on Earth, we're there to learn as much as possible. We're there to reproduce so that other souls can come in, so basically prolong the DNA, and also enjoy it because it's an unbelievably amazing life we're in. There's, there's amazing people, beautiful sights, yummy food, amazing music, yummy healthy food, amazing music. <laughs> and, and every time we learn, we learn the life, the soul lessons or life lessons, mm -hmm. we just get so excited that it's mind-blowing. And that's it. And then, you know, have gratitude. There's something in that as well. It's like, you know, if you look at everything that you encounter, every experience that you have and just take the lesson, take the growth from it and turn it into yes. something positive and, and, you know, build your inner strength from that. I think that's such a beautiful thing. And yeah, like we should totally all just live an extraordinary life and, and really just do all that, that we can to, to achieve that, not just for ourselves, but for our children, hey, for, you know, like you said, it's that having that emotional maturity as parents, you know, it's uh, bringing other people into this world and having that effect on those souls. Um, that's a huge, huge factor. Also simply the ripple effect. Uh, there's a psychologist who, Canadian psychologist who, who spoke about this saying we each know probably roughly a thousand people and they know roughly a thousand people so we're two people away from a million and they know a thousand so we're three people away from one billion people oh, wow. so everything we do has yeah. got much more impact than we can possibly imagine and it goes like you know why, why would people not want responsibility maybe it's scary maybe it's scary to think that the way I live my life actually impacts in some way one billion people Maybe wow. it's a bit too much, but yeah. maybe it's actually something to motivate me to be a little bit better, to be a little bit stronger, a bit more brave, to be a, sometimes a little bit more kind with myself. Because maybe if I'm a bit more kind, other people will be a bit more kind also. And is that why you do this work? Because you want to have, I mean, is there a part of you that, do you feel that this, um, this work has been brought into your life, that the universe has given you this, so that you can make a difference to other people and, and leave a legacy in this life? I think, in in all modesty, that the universe has been unbelievably kind and generous to, first of all, allow me to live for longer than I was supposed to live, yeah. give me the opportunity to learn the lessons, and be uh, allow, uh, let's say, uh, give me opportunities to make the most of the lessons I learned, and yeah. offered me a choice to do this work, and I'm just really grateful that I can do it and serve people, and it's uh, it's really it's really humbling Aww. to. Uh, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm so grateful to people who did the work with me. Mm. Um, I actually Amazing. asked my teachers, you know, when can can you come to Europe and do work with the Europeans? And they went, yet. It's not, not interesting because you Europeans are weirdos. You think weird. You don't trust Russians. You got all of these hookups. You're repressed emotionally. You talk too much. You think too much. There's too much noise. You're too wealthy. You're too spoiled. All of that. But they said, if you want them to do the work, we'll teach you. So that was like... I, I, I basically I feel like Luke Skywalker meeting Obi Wan Kenobi <laughs> meets. Basically I, that's what I feel like now with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's, um, re it's really it's really humbling. Like yeah. as a, as a little boy, I couldn't I couldn't dream that life one day would be this amazing mm. and real. And it's not about fantasies and fighting. Well, sometimes it is about fighting monsters and inner demons. Uh, but I'm just really grateful. 
Oh, honestly, I, I also feel as well, it's like people are brought into your life for a reason, hey, like to shine a mirror on you or whatever. And it's like, you know, I feel like you guys have been brought into my life for a reason. We've crossed paths for a reason. Um, so and sweet. Yeah, Thank but it's you. been a very, such a beautiful experience for me and it's really, really touched my heart. Um, look, guys, unfortunately, we're coming to an end, which is really sad. Um, I could just talk forever with you guys. Um, but before um, we close up, I would just love to, um, like a top tip for the the listeners out there you know I guess um in terms of what they can really take from this show um if they could take anything and implement it into their life um you know such as you know how they can learn you know not just learn but how they can love themselves more because people should love themselves love always starts within and then radiates out and that's what people need to remember so what tip would you give or advice would you give to put to those people to be able to love themselves more? I, th- I think the first tip, which is the easiest, because we sort of know what we should do, and th- this comes from my friend Natasha in Moscow, so Privyat Natasha, is mm-hmm. thinking, if you loved yourself, what would you do? Every time there's a decision to make, if you loved yourself, what would you do? So you don't have to love yourself. Just imagine if you did, and then you have an answer and do it. And that can be sleep a bit more. It can be drink a bit more water exercise a little bit more, be a bit kinder to yourself, a little bit less less harsh, forgive others, forgive yourself, eat a bit healthier food. Um, just It can be very simple things. They add up. Clean your room. The room is one unit that you can actually control. If you can't control your room, it's going to be difficult to control the rest. If you can control your room, and it's much more complicated than you think, if you can control your room, that's a pretty big step into putting a bit more order in your life where it matters. I like that. I like the room analogy. That's cool. Just quickly, um, where can people um, find you? Have you got a website or something that people... Well, I know you have a website. So what is your website address? Please tell us. Sure. So it's World Wide Web, www.riberson.com. Rebirthson. It's worth checking it out. It's a. Uh, it looks great. A website, actually. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really inviting, and it's got a uh, got lots of really interesting articles on there as well. Actually, that you should read. Um, but yes, Sally, we've come to the end of the show. Um, thank you so much, guys, for coming on us. Um, but it's been amazing. It's been extremely insightful. So thank you so much for sharing. Sharing is caring. Um, and my last words to everyone out there is, um, yeah, sharing is caring. Um, connect with as many people as you can because look what, what's happened to me um i've had a really incredible experience something that money just can't buy and that is just purely by meeting two incredible human beings um who have shared their their gifts with me um to help me open up my heart even further so open up your hearts be kind to people really be kind just be kind to someone every day just go out of your way um but thank you so much for listening uh to speaking freely with keely um and until next time and to end the show guys Perfect song, again, picked by Fred. I feel like he should just take over this desk. (laughs) I fulfill his uh, childhood dreams. Um, But it's Lou Reed with Perfect Day. Thanks, guys. Good night.